Hello and welcome to BizQuick. I'm Corey. And I'm Julie. And on the podcast today, we have Adrian O'Hare. He is a partner in a chain of tropical smoothie cafes out of San Antonio, Texas. Welcome, Adrian. That's right. You're listening to BizQuick. This is where Julie and Corey provide quick and useful information to small business owners. BizQuick is the podcast where small business owners get to showcase their businesses and receive expert advice and guidance in areas many entrepreneurs struggle with. And you, the listener, get solutions, tips, and tricks on real-world topics that many small business owners face. Julie and Corey are the experts small businesses hire when they need solutions. And the BizQuick podcast is just one way they deliver those solutions. Let's start the show. Hi, thank you so much for uh, having me today, taking the time to get me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's great to have you. Thanks for taking the time to join us. How are you doing today? So I'm doing great. Um, I'm doing really good um, with you know the, how things seem to be shaking out, the climate and everything. Um, a lot of people seem to be maybe upset, sad, depressed, but I just see it as a... Um, I just try and take everything uh, in and be grateful for everything I have, um, everything I've gone through. Um, so I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Trying to just wake up each morning as long as the people that are closest to me are in good condition, good health, and then I'm having a good day. Great. Well, we don't know when this one's going to air quite yet, but uh, this is the election day. So certainly it's easy to understand why you said a lot of people are uh, feeling a little anxious or uh, not in the best headspace right now. But hopefully by the time this airs, this will all be better. Um, I wanna, I'm wondering if you can start out by telling our listeners a little bit about the franchise that you're a part of. All right. So uh, Tropical Smoothie Cafe is a, is a chain that was based out of Florida, um, started about 20 years ago, and then it's just grown exponentially in the last, um, I want to say 10 years. I think uh, their, their growth rate was pretty small for the first 10 years, uh, maybe I think um, getting to maybe 100 to 150 stores in the first 10 years. And, and over the last 10 years, it's grown to over 900 stores. Um, so it's, it's like a fast casual restaurant, not, not fast food, but not sit down restaurant. Um, and our main, our main ticket item is smoothies. Like in the name, it's a tropical smoothie cafe. We do offer, um, you know, food, drinks, and smoothies. But uh, for us, the main thing is the smoothies. We, we knock out smoothies uh, by the minute. And I imagine as most, you know, restaurants or, you know, small, small businesses in, in America this year, um, you probably took a hit because of COVID. How did that affect you? So initially, um, we, we were okay. We did, we did all right for a little while, but once I guess, uh, there was more, I guess more, there was more scarcity or there were, just people were not uh, okay with leaving their houses. I'm guessing, uh, it, it did, it did tank our, our sales. Um, we did get to a point there. I want to say maybe, uh, mid April, we went through like a four week stretch where we were running red for a pretty long time. Um, and our main goal was just to keep people employed. Uh, we wanted people to have, make sure they had a job, they had a job to come back to. Um, at that point we weren't really looking, uh, we knew we would probably survive it. Um, we weren't looking to, you know, uh, close our doors because we wanted to make sure people had a job. Um, and that once we got past that, you know, it was like a four week period. Uh, we made a bunch of transitions that, that to help us out. Um, we were able to get out that side and, and we've been well ever since. So, you know, thank God for that. Yeah, that's, that's 
great that you were able, so you were able to keep everybody employed? Yeah. So um, we, I did have about maybe two thirds of my staff um, say that they'd prefer to stay home and not work, uh, which actually in the long run was beneficial because, you know, we were able to keep them as employees and we were able to give the, provide the hours uh, to people that wanted to work that were said, you know, I need to work. I, I need, I have bills to pay. Um, I want to work. Give me as many hours as you can. Um, so it, it kind of worked out that the people that wanted to stay home, um, we were able to just keep them on payroll, pay, keep them on staff and they were able to stay home if they wanted to. And then the people that wanted to work, um, were actually able to not give them as some of the people, not as many hours as they were used to, but we were able to make sure that they were sustainable. Uh, so that helped out a lot. Um, and we had to, there were some transitions we had to make, like at a certain point we were only open, like, um, six hours a day when we're normally open 14 hours a day. So we had to make those transitions, uh, to just to make sure that, um, you know, we weren't running in the red for too long, but just little things here and there that we were able to do to make, make the adjustments to make the, help the business continue running. And my experience, uh, we've got tropical smoothie. Uh, we've got some of your cafes here in Richmond. Um, it's not a place that I would normally like go to just to spend time, but like, I'd, you know, hop in after a workout or whatever, like, were you able to pivot your business in a way to like align the, the uh the the touch and go people the people who didn't want to be out in public they could just like stop by pick something up and you know grab and go yeah so right away we shut down our lobby so we didn't have any seating available so we pushed towards everything going uh to go um and we just try to make it as as efficient as possible for everybody so um we had a an uh online pickup tables we had um in-store ordering you know as you know uh to go ordering. Uh, we transitioned over to a uh, curbside model. Uh, we invested more in our uh, delivery platforms uh, and our de delivery partners, making sure that we had um, all deliveries available because we don't do any in-house delivery just to make it that much easier for people to get their goods and get their items. Um, we're currently, we, since it's doing so well for us, um, we still have our lobby closed. Um, and we probably won't open the lobby back up just because it is doing so good for us until it's like a hundred percent capacity. Um, it's, it, and we just been working out great for us. Um, we don't have to have any additional employees that have to, um, you know, constantly be cleaning the lobby or cleaning the tables or cleaning the dishes. Um, so it, it's worked out, um, pretty good for us. Unfortunately, we don't have a drive-through, which I, I would be great if we had a drive-through just to make it that much faster for customers. But we'll, uh, we, now we take calling orders, which we used to never do before. Um, it just, it, we had to make those transitions and adjust and whatever we had to do to make sure that the customers were happy and they were felt safe and felt comfortable um, to continue purchasing our items and, and, you know, enjoying the smoothies and enjoying our food. Of, of all the pivots that you had to make, how many of those came from corporate? Like were a lot of those passed down or did you have to figure that out on your own? So that was kind of rough. Um, we, we had some transition periods to where we had no idea what the, what to do. And, and we kind of weren't provided as much clarity as we would have liked um, in the first few weeks. Um, so we had to try and push towards what we thought would fit best. Um, so things that we were, we were already doing, um, we just doubled down on it. So making sure that, um, our delivery partners, every, everyone is like, we're on every delivery platform possible. Some of the deliver, uh, some of the platforms have um, where you can advertise with them. So we advertise with them to make sure that, you know, it was working even better. Um, we implemented a curbside service on our own, which came a few weeks later. 
uh, from, from corporate, a lot, once, once I guess kind of the dust settled a little bit and they kind of found out what stores were, were doing what and what was working and what stores were doing right, um, they did implement uh, some changes to make sure that, you know, across the board, it was a lot more efficient. Um, for instance, um, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, different platforms in regards to, um, like, say, the Uber Eats and, and DoorDash and whatnot, but they usually provide um, their partners with a tablet. And, you, you know, you get a buzz and it lets you know that there's an order from Uber Eats um, and you have to ring it into your you know, POS system and whatnot. Well, that takes time. So uh, across the board, what um, Tropical Smoothie Cafe as corporate did is they, they um, integrated it with our POS system. So as soon as the order came in, a receipt popped out and we knew it was for Uber. So that saved a few minutes here and there, which over time, it saves a lot of time for, for us. And it's a lot more effective and efficient. Um, I think once they found out what worked properly in different cafes, they just implemented it across the board. Wow. Good for you for being ahead of the curve on some of those um, changes that you made, even like ahead of the um, corporate in terms of like your curbside delivery and whatnot. I'm curious about the additional costs that you are incurring for the, you know, cleaning and like everything that sort of supports COVID on the back end, if you will. So in our, in our cafe, um, me in particular, I'm a real stickler for keeping things clean. So most of our crew was already, um, they already knew that we had to, we just have to not extra cleaning because we were already doing it. They just knew that we had to stay on top of it. So um, I was, I've been a stickler just to make sure it's, we're in the food industry. we got to make sure that things, things are always, uh, you know, clear, concise and sanitary. And we want to make sure that, you know, no one, you know, there's no unhealthy items being passed around. Um, so we made sure we just continued what we were doing, ensuring that everything was clean, everything was sanitized, all the stations were always clean, the inside, outside. Um, there are a few additional spot checks that we do now uh, in the lobby, even though we don't have customers um, eating in the lobby, we just want to make sure that, you know, we're wiping down door handles, uh, wiping down tables, wiping down um, the, the POS system, anything that, you know, people might come in contact with. Uh, one of the major changes that we made is um, previously, we only had people that made food wear gloves. Uh, now we have um, all of our crew members wear, wear gloves, whether you're at the cash register handling cash or whether you're making a smoothie for somebody. Uh, we just have everyone, whether you're, I mean, even if you're washing dishes, some, some of the, some of our crew members will put on gloves, um, opening the door for people, put on your gloves, um, just little things like that, that have, um, I would say, um, the, in, in regards to cost, um, when in the beginning we did have a few extra people on staff just to make sure there was constant cleaning going on. Um, they knew what needed to be done since we had already implemented it previously, but it just like making sure it was done and making sure it was done thoroughly. Um, other, I think other than that, maybe we've gone through like thousands and thousands of gloves, um, as of late, uh, all different sizes, um, all, at a certain point, um, our supplier couldn't even supply gloves, um, as frequently as we needed them. So I, I would say maybe that just a few extra hours here and there with staff and then um, uh, gloves. And um, I think we're going through the same amount of like sanitary, sanit uh, sanitizer and whatnot. Um, it's kind of all balances out, you know, we're saving money by not having people in the store and they're just taking, you know, you know, in and out of their store right away. And then, um, you know, the cleanliness part of it, maybe we're just spending there. Coming from a background in the food industry, I know how hard it is when people 
like to blame everything on you, whether it's diseases, foodborne illnesses, whatever, everything comes back to you. It's all your fault. Um, but it's a heavily regulated industry. Like everything is, is sanitized. There's like certifications, all of that going on with this pandemic. What are your thoughts on everybody blaming everything on you? Well, it, it makes it a lot more difficult um, because I feel that maybe the food industry can do a lot better in um, education in regards to um, what they're doing in their stores um, and in, you know, in regards to how they handle food. Um, for instance, um, as you might, as you know, is, you know, there's constant temperature checks, there's constant checks on uh, food expiration, there's constant checks on if things are labeled correctly, there's constant rotation of old food with new food, um, there's constant uh, cleaning being done. Um, there's things that are washed constantly over and over and over that people don't see uh, like behind the scenes that, Hey, this lid that was used once, let's go ahead and wash that lid. Hey, you, did you grab that spoon? Go ahead and make sure you wash that spoon. Um, so it, on, on my end, I find it um, not, not funny, but just like where people can really easily just point the finger at the food industry uh, for um, causing you know, outbreaks or disease or, um, you know, problems with catching something when I want to say most stores, all stores, lots of stores, lots of, uh, uh, food industry businesses are super sanitary and super clean. Um, even when you go to a restaurant, you see them constantly wiping tables down Well, they're constantly wiping tables down with uh, sanitation. Um, I mean, right now we're used to putting sanitizer on our hands, but the food industry has been doing this uh, for years on, on end where they're constantly sanitizing and cleaning and, um, you know, after patrons. So it's kind of funny to see that, you know, um, just the way people perceive food um and even going like that's in regards to just the the place itself is being sanitary the way the food handle is is sanitary so if items are getting cooked anything that you might think is on there is going to get cooked off so you're not going to get sick uh from food that's cooked if that makes sense uh, it's just kind of funny now that we especially see everyone uh, sanitizing all over, spraying down Lysol all over everything. Well, that's something that the food industry has been doing for years. Yeah, and that, I, I always love that walking around as somebody who has a, a background in in that where you see people wearing gloves and masks and they're like, oh, this is making me safe. This is making me safe. It's like you were never trained. You don't really understand why you're wearing the gloves. It's not for your safety. It's for everybody else's safety. Yeah, it's very frustrating just seeing like uh, how people handle gloves or how people handle masks, especially especially gloves. You know, um, gloves are, are you know a real simple tool, but if they're used incorrectly, um, it's going to be it's it's not. It just just I very peculiar in in watching people and how they do things because um, I'm used to watching my crew, so I want to make sure like, hey, you're at the register, you're going to go help someone makes something, you know, make sure you dispose of those gloves, wash your hands, put some new gloves on. And they're, you just so used to seeing that over and over, but the, the way I guess the general public uses gloves is like, you see them grab the door handle, you see them grab their money, you see them grab their face, you see them grab their kid's hand, you see them do this, that, and the other. And you're like, Oh, like it just, it gives you almost, um, 
almost an anxiety to like, you, you do have the tool, but you're not using it properly. Uh, so it just kind of, um, just, um, it, it would, if you bring it back to the restaurant, just bringing it, letting you like for, for me, for instance, letting your crew know exactly why educating them, why like, Hey, you just handle some money from someone. You don't know where they had their money. Make sure you dispose of those gloves, wash up your hands, put some brand new gloves on and then continue with your work. And then them understanding like, well, yeah, you're like, they understand the touch aspect of it. Um, and it, it, they get it. And the food industry people, it, they seem to just understand that part of it uh, a little bit more, which I'm, I'm glad for. We're going to take a quick break to let Damien Scott tell you about his business, Lexington CPA Associates. Hey guys, Damien Scott here with Lexington CPA and Associates. We are your accounting professionals working from coast to coast, from California to New York anything accounting and tax related. I know it's the beginning of the year. You might be thinking about doing your tax returns and we're the ones to help you out. Contact us today based off of this conversation right now. Receive 20% off and we'll help you with that mountain of paperwork that's on your desk. We'll get you cleaned up. We'll get you ready for taxes and we'll get you moving forward. Damian Scott with Lexington CPA and Associates. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Check out our show notes to learn all the ways that you can connect with Lexington CPA Associates. Now back to the podcast. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and ask you about the decision to go from, you formerly owned your own restaurant and then you moved to a franchise, right? So what made you flip over to being part of a franchise and what are kind of the pitfalls, but also the benefits of it? So uh, this is a little bit of a long story. Um, uh, pr previous business I had was uh, somewhat similar to what, what I have going on right now um, it, in regards to uh, like a fast casual restaurant. Um, it, it was, I didn't, it, it was also really not a sit down restaurant either. So I, I owned and operated a meal prep business and we had a juice and smoothie bar uh, located inside uh, the business. Um, so it was kind of three in one. Um, and at the time when I, uh, left the business. It was there were we had three physical locations. Um, it was more localized, so it was just local to the um, to the city. Um, it wasn't we had built and established the name because we're in operations for about five years. Uh, so we did have our loyal customers um, in in the city, in the community, in the neighborhoods. Um, and I just uh, since I had, I guess since I since I had the knowledge base in regards to restaurants. Um, I had family members that were looking to transition to other businesses and, and they thought uh, Tropical Smoothie Cafe was a really nice business to, to look into um, with a lot more people being more health conscious. Um, I was approached with, uh, you know, the opportunity at the time I was, I was looking and willing to invest and not do as much uh, operations as I was already doing. Um, and uh, push come to shove kind of, um, you know, it, uh, speaking to my family a little more, um, and understanding what they wanted from me, um, on, in regards to the operations side, it just, it just seemed like a good match. Um, the, the previous business that I was involved in, um, I, it was a partnership as well. And I, I, f I feel at that point, uh, where we were at, uh, maybe my partners didn't have the same vision I did. Uh, so it was just, um, you know, sometimes you just need something new, something fresh, something uh, more intriguing. I felt like I was doing the same thing every day. Um, and, and we're just, we're doing well, but um, we're just kind of, it seemed like we we're just stagnant. Um, and, it, and it wasn't where I wanted to be. 
Um, and, and I looked at a franchise model. I, I um, researched it. I, I enjoyed the, the product. I had solved some very successful businesses, uh, the same business nearby. And I thought, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to ask for some change, then I'm going to go ahead and jump in and, and it, which required actually, um, me, me moving cities, uh, to a, a whole new city, um, and starting basically all over, just, uh, kind of dropping everything that I had going on in one city and moving my whole family to a new city, to, to a new endeavor. Um, I do enjoy the franchise model because, um, it, there is name recognition. So we're, almost wherever you go, people are going to hear the name and they're going to say, yeah, I've been there before. Or, yeah, I enjoy that. Or especially if they're a staple in certain cities, um, people seem to just love the product. I have people that come like, uh, I'm, in, I'm in San Antonio, Texas. So I have people that'll come from Florida or that have lived in Florida and say, man, I have a tropical smoothie all over the place. And I'm so happy that, uh, that there's a tropical smoothie, uh, here in San Antonio. So we were, um, we were the second, uh, cafe to open in San Antonio and we were, we were, pushing to be the first one, but we were, we were uh, off by like 24 days. Um, so it's a brand new market for uh, tropical smoothie. And then this is a brand new um, item for San Antonio, Texas. So there was a little, there was some, uh, some small pit, pitfalls, you know, getting our name out there, um, which I was already used to uh, with the previous business that I had. Um, I, I do really enjoy uh, the aspects of franchise because um, it makes to tell you the truth, it just makes everything easy. Everything's kind of laid out for you. You just have to execute on the plan. Uh, they give you the plan um, in regards to, you know, how things should be made and how things should be done and, you know, uh, provide you with you know, exact equipment that you need. Um, you don't really have to scavenge for like trying to figure out, well, do I need this? Do I need that? Is this going to be useful to me? Um, it's kind of all laid out to you. You have uh, exactly what you should order in regards to um, your product. Um, you have all of that kind of just... Um, hand it to you. Um, you just have to execute on, on what's already working and double down on what they find that's already working. Um, the small minor things that, yeah, I was used to making changes, um, on a whim. If I found that a product wasn't working, um, me and my business partners would just say, all right, we're taking out that item and we're going to add something if we want to, if we don't want to add anything, we won't. Um, we wanted to open location in a certain area. Um, we would try that. We wanted to, you know, branch out and, uh, do different, um, do different things with our business. We're able to, um, with the franchise model, it's a little bit harder. Um, and which is completely understandable because they're, they're trying to protect the brand. They're trying to protect the business. They're trying to protect their franchise franchisees and they're trying to protect the customers. So for instance, um, all cafes order their supplies from the same uh, distributor. That's because it can be controlled in regards to if they find a, say a bad batch or whatnot, they're able to tell all the, all of the, um, all of the cafes that, Hey, don't order this item anymore. Or if they're making a transition to using a certain product, well, just let the distributor know that all of my stores are going to get this particular item. Um, and all the stores get it. It makes it, it makes, um, it makes quality control easy as well. So if everyone's using the same strawberries, well, you're not going to get a different smoothie in San Antonio, Texas than in, uh, you know, Destin, Florida, it's going to be the same. Um, it's going to, you're, it's going to look the same, taste the same, make you feel the same. Um, it, it makes it that much easier just to, to control the quality of the product being served. If that makes sense. It does. It also, it also makes it easier for the 
for the customer because they know what to expect. That's one of yeah. the benefits of a franchise, right? Is you know, no matter where you go, you can get your same favorite strawberry, blueberry, banana smoothie. So, yeah. Exactly. As a, a, a an entrepreneur, you know, you had a cafe prior to this and you've got that, that spirit. What's the hardest part about like conceding to corporate? Because I know a lot of people want to start their own businesses, but you know, they, they don't want to give up that control. So what was that for you? Um, I think, honestly, it's, it's an everyday struggle. I don't, I don't know if it ever becomes easier. I think if, if, if someone didn't have that entrepreneur mindset or didn't start a, a business on their own previously, it might be easier to tell you the truth because letting go of certain things sometimes or not letting go, just like um, seeing having a vision for what you want and it being tracked a certain way, it makes it just a little bit harder. Like if you, if you see some, most of the time uh, people that are entrepreneurs or that have a long-term vision, they can see things before they happen. Um, so for instance, when we were talking about COVID earlier, I, I didn't, I had people telling me that it was going to be a few day or a few week thing. And I said, there's no way we have to, we have to make, we have to make changes today for tomorrow. We have to make changes today for our future. So we have to implement whatever we can now, of course, within the guidelines of, of, of corporate, you know, we were already doing uh, delivery. We were already doing to go. We were already doing, um, I mean, we implemented curbside, but it wasn't, there wasn't anything, there wasn't any, um, you know, ifs or can you do that? Um, we can take and call in order. So we just doubled down on those things because I just felt that, um, we can't sit back and wait for things to come down the pipeline. We have to make things happen. There's, there's cafes all around the country that are making things happen. And that's, that's where they're going to get um, their ideas from uh, because the, from the ground floor, the ideas are going to come. Um, I, I understand it's for me, it's not, I don't want to say it's hard or easy because there are things where you have to just, you know, bite your, not bite your tongue, but just like, okay, I understand. I get it. I, I know where it's coming from. I don't need an explanation. But man, you know, this would be so much easier if this, this, we made this change, it would just make things so much easier. But it's, it's hard, it's hard to implement that at a wide scale, because we're not a speedboat. Um, it's, it's over 900 stores. So, so to get everyone to buy in to get not, you know, however many franchisees to buy in, that's very hard. Um, and I've seen it. So that's why at this point, I really don't, I don't do any of like, you know, ruffling feathers or anything like that because I, I've seen it. I, we have cafes uh, that are in the market that, that have the original colors from the stores. And, and so if they're not able to get people to buy into, you know, say a new color change or a new logo or whatnot, how are they going to get them to buy in? How are they going to get other people to buy into to making changes, you know, dramatic changes? So I, I completely get it. I completely understand it. Um, you can't make everybody happy. They, I, I get it because they probably have, you know, hundreds of, of franchisees that complain about this, that, or the other. And it's like, well, yeah, there's only so many complaints that we can, you know, adjust to or adhere to. Um, so at this point, I just kind of, um, whatever I can do in my, mm, within, within my guidelines, I guess, um, I just kind of stick to it. If there's anything that I can do that doesn't go against, uh, guidelines, you know, like, uh, any type of promotions that we can run or any type of marketing that we can do or anything to get customers in the door. Uh, that's my ultimate goal. Just get customers in the door and repeat that over and over and over again.
All right. Well, we need to start wrapping up. So can you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you? Uh, best way to get in contact with me is, is probably just through social media. Um, and it's just at Adrian underscore O'Hare. I'm all over the place uh, on anything you can think of, even uh, the new wave TikTok. I'm on there too. Excellent. Excellent. We're fans of TikTok. So thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And if you want to connect with us, you can reach out to us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can reach us on our websites at sbpace.com or bizquickpodcast.com. Yep. I'm also going to say thanks to our listeners. Um, and all of that information about Adrian will be in the show notes. I hey. thought that you said that ahead of time, and that's why I skipped ahead to my brain. Hey, while you're out there on the interwebs doing some looking around, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast, like us, and give us a review. And you can reach out about topics that you might have for our podcast, anything you want to talk about, uh, you know, just in general. Reach out to us about our book. We've got a number one seller on Amazon. Check it out. You can see it uh, through our website. Check it on Amazon, like I said. There's also a workbook. Go download that. Let us know what you think. Hey, that book is called Seriously, Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. And he's right. You can find it on our website and on Amazon. And with that, I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across America.